Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for May 24th, 2009. And we're going to continue our study on the Hebrew Roots Movement, picking up exactly where we left off. Um, we looked at Hebrews 8, 8 through 13, Galatians 3, 10 through 16, and then Hebrews 10, 9 through 18. And we read you some notes as well. And um, the Hebrew 8, 8, 8 through 12 actually quotes Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. So that's the Old Testament prophecy that's fulfilled where it talks about this in Hebrews, or at least it's reiterated. In the end times, unfortunately though for the Jews, in the end times, two-thirds of the Israelites will not come to Christ Jesus as Savior. Now this is something that a lot of people never ever preach on, because this wouldn't be politically correct to say this. Okay? But the fact is, and we're going to look at this in Zechariah, that two-thirds of the Jews will not come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but one-third will. That's still a lot of people. That's way more than the average population of a given you know, country or whatever. Uh, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. You know, How many true born-again Christians there are as far as people dying, I don't know, but it's probably like 1 or 2 or 3 percent. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to be right about that. Um, but most likely, now if third got saved here, that's 33 percent. That's much higher. But then again, they've went centuries and centuries in unbelief as well. And, and you know, the vast majority of them, unfortunately, went to hell. Uh, and it's a sad, sad thing. But looking forward to the future, if we go to Zechariah 13, 8 and 9, and again, I've done a whole study on this. I'm going to just touch on this today. But it says in verse 8, And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. But the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call on my name, and I will hear them, and I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Now this is when it appears that this, this prophecy truly is fulfilled, where it gives in uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, where the Jews are finally going to actually have their eyes open. This one-third remnant is going to really have their eyes open. And it's, again, it's reiterated in Hebrews 8, 8 through 12. Okay, so... We, as Gentiles, have benefited from the Jews' unbelief. Blindness in part has happened to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentile come in. And I say that in all fear and reverence. I'm not saying that bragging at all. Okay, but uh, it has been, that, that, that's been the door. Uh, so, let's go to Zechariah 12, 1 through 3. This is going to establish more of a foundation for the two verses I just read. Zechariah 12, verse 1. Uh, and this part is entitled, The Siege of Jerusalem by the Beast and His Armies. This is the end times we're talking about here. This is, this is you know, basically Armageddon. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens, and layeth the foundations of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, and they shall be in a siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. 
through all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Armageddon. Okay. Let's go to verse 8. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. Now I believe this is the one third remnant that mostly we're in reference to here. And the house of, and the house of David shall be as God. All I can tell you is they are going to be supernaturally empowered and it's not going to be witchcraft. It is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ through them. He is going to supernaturally empower them. And, um, and the house of David shall be as, as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Pretty clear here what's going on. And again, this is like essentially at the end of the tribulation. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. Remember, you're saved by what? Grace. And that not of yourselves, which is the gift of God, not of, any, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when he pours upon them the spirit of grace and supplications, this is a prerequisite for salvation. Because we're saved by grace. And this is exactly what happens. Because it says, And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Now, remember, this is in the Old Testament. This is looking forward to the crucifixion. The people that penned this had no clue. And the people reading it at the time didn't understand it. They couldn't have. They, look, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Well, when did they pierce Jesus? John 19.37. I'll just turn there real quick. John 19.37. Um... Well, here, let's just start at verse 33. This is when Jesus was being crucified. But they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already. They break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And forthwith came there out blood and water. Blood and water. I've heard exposés saying that this went through the spleen and possibly the heart when he did this, and that the blood had actually at that point separated because he was dead. There was blood that was separating itself from water, and that blood and water actually came out of him. Now, I'm going to take you someplace else. A little segue here is very interesting about that. And he saw it bear record. The blood and water bared record of what? We're going to look at that. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to take you there. And his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true that he might that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. Where does it say that? Um, Exodus 12, 46, Numbers 9, 12, and Psalm 34, 20. Prophecy of the Savior, of, of Israel, where it says, A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, that was also fulfilled, Okay, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Zechariah 12.10, which is what we just read. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him, this is back to Zechariah, as one mourneth for his own son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Why? Because they're going to realize 
They're finally going to have their eyes open up that they crucified the very Savior that was sent here to save them. They're going to mourn in bitterness. But right now, unfortunately, they're blind. Corporately. Not every single Jew, but for the most part they are. Blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Just real quick, let's go back to... Uh, Let's go to uh, 1 John 5, 6. Because it says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he saw that it bare record. What? The blood and water bear record? And that this record is true, and that he knoweth that what he saith is true, that you might believe. 1 John 5 and 6. Interesting. 1 John 5 and 6. 1 John 5 verse 6. I'm sorry. I believe it is. 1 John 5 verse 6. Okay. 1 John 5 6. Okay. Well, here at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? Now, I've done a whole teaching on overcoming. Okay, But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. What does that imply? That implies faith. What is believing? Faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? We, now, the Bible says we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and, we loved our, and they loved their lives not unto the death. So by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, okay, but he that believeth, the essence of being an overcomer, is he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God, Verse 6, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. Why? Because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ sealed that second covenant. The blood of bulls and goats could never do that, but the blood of the spotless lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth could do it. But it says here, that this is he that came by water and by blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Bear record of what? Of, of this finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. What do you mean the Word? Well, what does first John what does John say? It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's what the Bible says. All things were made by Him. So what is the Word? Jesus Christ. All things were made by Him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. And we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten Son. So the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. That's why, you know, what word you're reading really is important. Because Jesus Christ Himself is equated with the Word of God. What else does it say? The Bible says that I have magnified, the, the, God says that I have magnified my Word above my name. Woo, do a keyword search. I'm not exactly where it says it, but I have magnified my word above my name. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, 
Where's the word at right now? We just read that. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and ever maketh intercession for the saints. Woo! Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Three the bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. The three in one. So much uh, controversy over this thing they call the Trinity. I don't really care what you call it. Oh, okay, yeah, does that word doesn't occur in the Bible. Okay, fine. The Bible talks about three distinct parts of God. The Father, the Word, or the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Why is that such a hard... Why is that such a contentious issue with people? They want to believe in this thing called modalism. And I've done, I've put out some emails on this, this whole modalism thing, that it's just one, and there's no separate, ugh. you know, it's like they want to just strain at gnats and swallow camels, is, is really how it seems. They just want to be, there's, I, I'm just convinced there's a certain sect of people that call themselves Christians that just want to be contentious, and they want to have this one little doctrine they think they know, and nobody else knows. Man, you know what, we're, we're in a war, we're in a battle, we, we don't got time for straining at gnats and swallowing camels and causing contentions and these types of things one to another. We're supposed to earnestly be contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Not arguing and infighting over these types of issues. <clears throat> then the verse 8 says, And there are three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, and the water in the blood. And these three, what is this water and this blood? This is the same water and blood that flowed out of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was the Spirit present in that? Yes, because the Bible says that the, the Holy Spirit dwelt within Jesus without measure. That's what the Bible talks about. Mm -mm -mm. Now, I could go further into that, but I'm not going to. Because uh, I could get way off track with that. Anyway, let's go back to Zechariah. This is fun. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his son, and shall be in bitterness for him that is, as one that is bitterness for his firstborn. They're finally going to get their eyes opened. And again, when all this is done, and it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts thereof, and this is verse uh, 8, Zechariah 13, skipping a chapter ahead, Saith the Lord, two parts thereof shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. Two-thirds of Israel is going to die. And I will bring the third part through the fire. They're not the only ones that are going to go through the fire. Christians, the Bible says that he's going to refine the, the Christians as silver. He's going to refine them as well. Okay, I'm not saying that Christians are separate than, than the Jews, though, either, because we all get saved the same way. Okay, but I'm talking about this specific little time period here when one third, the one-third remnant is then brought through the fire. Two-thirds will die. I'll bring the third part through the fire. I'll refine them as silver is refined. I will try them as gold is tried. And they shall call upon my name, and I will hear them, and I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. It reminds me of what happened to my dad. It was like he, they had, he had to bring them through the, the most horrific experience 
of silver refining and gold being refined to finally get them to the point where they're humbled, where they're going to look upon whom they've pierced. And the Spirit of grace is going to be given unto them. And they're going to actually get their eyes opened and they're actually going to, be, they're going to get saved. And that's why when the Bible says all of Israel shall be saved, the one-third remnant that is left, that's going to be all of Israel because two-thirds of them are going to be gone. That's how we can reconcile that verse where all of Israel shall be saved. doesn't mean that they're all going to live. But the ones that are left are going to be saved. That's the only way it can be reconciled. So, this ver- portion of Scripture, verses 8 and 9, refer to the sufferings of the remnant, which is also talked about in Isaiah 1.9, Romans 11.5, preceding the great battle, Armageddon. Uh, then Zechariah actual 14, the next chapter, is a recapitulation of the whole matter. The order is the gathering of the nations, okay, Against Jerusalem, Armageddon, see Revelation 16, 14, and 1911, and then the deliverance of Jerusalem, which we talked about, and then the return of Christ to the Mount of Olives, and then the physical change of the scene, and the setting up of the kingdom, and the full earthly blessing. Now we get into the thousand year millennial reign. We're not going to get into that today. But anyway, I just felt like I had to kind of go into that because there's a lot of different little things that, you know, are brought up here with this study. So, the present day, I'm going back to this uh, uh, report we're reading from, the present day movement <clears throat> to, quote, find our Hebrew roots, as taught by many Judeo-Christian groups, is bringing thousands of believers of Jesus Christ under bondage. <clears throat> the false concept that the New Testament is not as profound or as lightning as the Old Testament seems to have swayed even fundamental Christians in many instances. There are huge numbers of erroneous doctrines and dogmas being expounded by the Hebrew Roots Movement, but the masses of believers in the pews seem to have been deceived by these teachers. Even pastors have fallen prey. What are the main objectives herein, and why should the reader resist indoctrination by the Hebrew Roots or Messianic Jewish groups? These organizations can come under various names. The names do not matter. And I, again, I told you some names. Christian Zionism, uh, Messianic Judaism, Hebrew Roots Movement, uh, sometimes even the Dominionists get into this. There are certain parts of the Pentecostals that actually really get into this. Uh, these types of things. So we need to pray for these deceived teachers, but do not join with them. Okay, because really that would be like being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, which we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Second Corinthians six, uh, fourteen and seventeen. The errors and false teachings of Judaism, as revealed in this booklet, are being infiltrated into our churches, Christian churches, in the merger of this Judeo religion and the New Testament truth. Some facts to remember are the Hebrew Roots groups are bringing into the churches the Talmudic books. Literature, rules, and regulations that have been developed in Judaism and that are not part of the Old Testament. Isn't that what always happens with these? It's really no no different than a cult. What do all these cults have in common? Whether it be Seventh-day Adventism, which I'm going to do a study on that probably next. Whether it be Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, this false Judaism. What is it they always end up doing? Even Pentecostalism. They always bring in extra biblical doctrines that are even given in either given in book form, supposedly through some kind of prophetic 
utterance in the Mormonism we have the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price in Jehovah Witnesses we have the Watchtower which is the supposed angelically inspired monthly publication we have all types of things in the Jehovah Witnesses that are extra biblical the men or women that particularly start these teachings usually they have people that follow them and then they give are supposedly given new revelation now let me just give you this real plain and simple if this new revelation contradicts the word of God then it did not come from God because God is not the author of confusion he's not the author of confusion there's one King James Bible and there's hundreds of other versions that all stem essentially from the revised version of 1881 which was translated by two high-level occultists named Westcott and Hort, who were high-level occultists. They piled around people like Charles Darwin and things like that. They had seances. They had a club called the Ghostly Guild and, a Herm- and the Hermes Club. Necromancy, stuff like that. They, te- they translated the revised version of 1881 that essentially spawned all the other versions we have today from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, which were so corrupt the Catholic Church didn't even use them. Which spawn, which those spawned from the Alex, corrupt Alexandrian Egyptian manuscripts from the um, library in Alexandria. Not a really good foundation. Anyway, that's just one example. But they bring in these extra biblical books in all these religions. In, in Judaism, it's the Talmud, the Midrash. Some, and then they get into the Kabbalah. The Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud is so blasphemous toward Jesus Christ. And again, please reference my teaching I did in the Talmud. Just key in like T-A-L. T-A-L-M. Just all part of the word, it'll find it. I, I didn't even like reading the verses. They were so blasphemous. Now, how could this dwell together? How, how can this blasphemy dwell together? They come under a spell. You have to understand, when people get into these cults, the Bible says, of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. See, I'm not here to overcome you. I'm just here to give you facts and truth. I don't want to overcome you. If you're not saved, first thing I want you to do is get saved. I want to see your soul saved. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, if, if you're not sure about your salvation, just key in part of the word salvation in my little keyword search box on my homepage and walk you right through it. There's a PDF document there for you. You can walk right through it. But beyond that, I also want to make sure that you're not deceived. I do love you enough to tell you the truth. I was deceived from pretty much my whole life. And even after I got saved, caught up in the Pentecostal, Holy Roller, nuttiness stuff. You know, God took me through a lot of different things to show me a lot of different ways that people are Deceived and kept in bondage in the modern day church system of America. And ultimately he did that so I could help other people. The Bible talks about let him that is greatest among you, let him be your servant. That's what Jesus came. Jesus came to, to, to not to um, be served, but to seek and save the lost. He came to be a servant. He was our example. That's why, you know, we should try to be servants, one toward another. So anyway, this Hebrew Roots movement brings into the churches the Talmudic books, literature, rules, regulations that have developed in Judaism that are not of the Old Testament. Yes, some teachings are biblical, but even those ignore the fact that the New Testament Christian is not under the law or the Jewish religion at all. 
the Bible says here in Romans 6, 14 and 15, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. Now again, this is just reiterating what we've already read, and there's so many other verses I could read, and we will be reading. But under grace. That's what the Bible says in Romans. We are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? Now, again, it's a statement of fact. Shall we sin because we are not under the law? I mean, it's a statement of fact. We're not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. So we don't sin that grace may abound. We don't use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh. We don't want to put a stumbling block before our brother. Our brother sees us sinning. Well, well, brother, we're under grace. And then he thinks it's okay to keep sinning. Do the same thing you're doing. No, no, no. We don't want to put a stumbling block before our brother. You always have to bear that in mind. When it, whatever you do, are you putting a stumbling block before your brother? Uh, Romans 10, 4. What does that say? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Faith. Believing is faith, right? Galatians 5.1 Stand fast therewith in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, And be ye, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Specifically here, we're talking about the law because we, we've already read enough Galatians to know that these people wanted to be sought to be justified by the law again. They wanted to be pulled back. They were bewitched. It was as though a spell was cast upon them. And unfortunately, that's why it's so important who you're sitting under, of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you're, if you're going to one of these messianic churches, don't think it's not going to affect you. You're going to some 501c3 mega church or some 501c3 apostate church and you're wondering, why can't I break free? What, you know, what I'm saying or what another person might be saying makes so much sense. Why can't I break free? Because you're entangled in the yoke of bondage. You are being overcome through this bondage. But you have to make that first step to get out of there. God's not going to twist your arm. We still have a free will. And we we need to be faithful to confess our sins. You know, if we are faithful to confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's go further. The Messianic Jew Hebrew roots groups are bringing the authority of Jewish rabbis right into the Christian churches. The cry goes up from them that no man, no one can understand the oracles of God unless they can read and write in Hebrew. One of the many ways that this movement is just so terrible. Now, again, this is all part of the devil's plan to get Bible-believing Christians to doubt the Word of God. See, if you're clinging to the King James Bible and the Word of God and not trusting in man, none of these other issues matter. None of these other issues are going to deceive you. But if you if you allow these things to start permeating your thinking process, I got to have a rabbi to do this, and I got to have read the Hebrew, and and I don't even think this part of the New Testament even applies anymore. And I think I'm just going to go by the Torah, and I got to wear my prayer shawl, and I got to grow that beard, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. Man, devil's already got you where he wants you. This is all part of the plan, devil's plan, to get Bible believing Christians to doubt the Word of God. That's the biggest thing I see about the Hebrew Roots Movement. People start totally doubting the Word of God. The King James Bible. Proverbs 
Um, 11.3. Psalms 11.3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, what is the, what is the foundation of our faith? The word of God. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. Okay, so Jesus Christ being equated, the the incarnate Word of God. Well, if he can get us to doubt the Word of God, it's what he did in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? With Eve, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of this tree. He questioned the Word of God. And that's what got Eve to ultimately sin, that and you know, the temptation, the pride, and that. But he has not changed his tactics. He's incredibly adept at what he does. I, I meant to say this in the last teaching. Let me show you how good Satan is at what he does. Now, I'm not going to give him glory. I'm just telling you, he is, as a lion, our adversaries as a lion, he's roar, moving about, roaring, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, he's our adversary. He's our opponent. He's our foe. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, and these types of things. I forgot to say this in the last teaching I did on my dad, but my mom had come back and she had the other day, and, and she had got this. Her one of her friends had given her this spa treatment. It was kind of weird because you know she had to go up to this city, way up in. Northern Florida, I believe, is Inverness, to get this special treatment on one of these special machines. I never even heard of this thing. It's called like some it's called a flow or something machine. You lay in it, and supposedly it does all this biofeedback. Now I'm familiar with these machines, and I believe a lot of this technology is demonic. There's a machine out there called the QX machine or the Skio, and um, I did a lot of research on that before, and it was very impressive because it could tell you things about yourself that. I don't know how in the world it knew. And the guy that developed it, as I started researching that, I found the guy that developed it, I believe, was a flaming transvestite. I mean, the guy just was... I could hardly stand to look at him. He was like this overweight, really, really overweight transvestite guy looking. It was really scary. Okay, okay. now I'm not making a knock, a blanket knock on all over overweight people. I'm just saying it was really a scary combination. Okay, And he started, he developed this machine, and I actually went one night before I really had figured this out to kind of check this machine out, this biofeedback machine. And you, they'd hook it up to you. It's this computer, so it seemed official. This thing could tell things about you. There's, there's, it, it had to be demonic. There's no way this machine could have known this. And I found myself at this meeting surrounded by a group of New Age witches, psychics, mediums, and witches. Everyone there was involved in New Age, and some were overt witches. I had witches on both sides of me. No lie, I was there. This is, God's, this is like typical for me. I have like had so much experience with witchcraft. Not that I've fallen into it, but God has shown me so many facets of this. And I noticed, wow, this is kind of funny. Only witches are drawn to this machine. And there was actually a missionary in town at the time that had been getting treatment on this, and I, I called him and told him, I said, brother, I got to tell you, man, I think you need to stop getting these treatments. Big time. And it was funny because the Lord had revealed the exact same thing to him. And this guy was a solid missionary. I mean, this guy wasn't just... I mean, this is a man of God. He's devoted his whole life. 
I mean, to, to the word. I mean, I don't feel like I'm worthy to unlatch at his shoe, his shoe strings, okay, but he's a wonderful person. And uh, actually got his back broken in the jungles of Guyana. And just keep going. Keeping going. The Lord used me to, to help him some to, to re- rehabilitate and recover, but um, his name's Brother Runyon. You can pray for him. But wonderful, wonderful person, him and his wife. But he, God had shown him the same thing God showed me about that machine. And when I heard my mama went up to get on this machine, this is a different variety, I said, oh boy. I didn't know this until after the fact. I would have strongly cautioned her, but she, I think she went out of her way not to tell me anything. Because all of a sudden, oh, I'm going for the spa treatment. Her friend that got it for is involved in the New Age and, in you know, white witchcraft and these types of things. But that's, that's the circle of friends my mom hangs around with. It's what I've been, you know, around my whole life, it seems like. I've had so much experience with witchcraft, dealing with witches, dealing with witchcraft against me or my family. And again, the Lord brings you through these things. I never got entangled with it, but I've always had to fight it a lot. Well, and again, what is the essence of the coming one world religion? Witchcraft. I've done several studies on this. Just key in witchcraft are part of the word. It's the essence of the coming one world religion under Antichrist. So I think God's educated certain people about this so that we will be equipped as this gets worse and worse and worse. She comes back and she gets this treatment. And I mean, it immediately, like this machine, like almost puts her into a coma, basically. She's laying there. She said, I didn't even move for like 45 minutes straight. I didn't move a muscle. It's almost like this thing. I don't know what it did to her. She's, I mean, she's just been totally sleeping ever since she got home. This thing. She's sleeping. I, my mom's not like that. And she's, oh, they told her, oh, it's going to put me, you're going to sleep for a lot in the next few days. Well, again, she needs prayed for. I've been praying for. I, I believe it put a curse on her. I really do. I really do. And she said, um, um, part way through the, 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 this thing that she was going through, this 45 minute session on this machine, see, Satan has got a way now to meld technology with the demonic realm. Understand that. The microchips and things of this nature that, we're, that they're going to be implanted with, this, you're, you're going to also get a big fat demon when you take that mark in your right hand or your forehead. You buy a record that's satanic rock music, you're bringing not only the physical record home, but you're also bringing a curse home with you. Okay, so she was actually getting a massage while her friend was getting this, it's called this flow machine. There's only... Like, ten of them in the United States, I think. And, again, massage therapy. You know, normally you have people from a very new age background laying hands on you. The Bible says to lay hands suddenly on no man. I believe there's a lot of demonic exchange that takes place with these massage therapy sessions. And the whole thing about the potential for lust and not fleeing all appearance of evil. And there's just a lot of things. You're taking your clothes off in front of some stranger... I don't see how that's biblical. I don't. Um, anyway, during this massage therapy session, this lady stops, this one that had the machine, and she says, I just want to let you know I've seen your husband. Now, this is my dad that just died last month. And he wants you to let you know how sorry he is. <clears throat> and... My mom's like, well, that's exactly what, you know, he was saying so much to me before 
even before this happened, and how he feels inadequate, and how he felt like he he just needed to be gone, and, and, and that and this and that, and, and that my mom intimated to me that that was a lot of his the things that he had said to her. He feels like he's failed you. He tried for all these years to get this company back, and it didn't happen. And it confirmed to my mom a lot of the very same things my dad had been telling her before her death. So my mom is now my mom's been a numerous psychic. She's done a lot of this garbage, and they've confirmed a lot of things. What is this? They're the familiar spirits that emanated and operated through my dad are communicating with this witch's familiar spirits and telling her what to tell my mom to placate her. Now, if you were the devil, you wouldn't want my mom to know that my dad, and I don't believe he did go to hell, but there's two things you wouldn't want him to know. You wouldn't want him to know if he went to hell, would you, if you were the devil? No, he doesn't want even think people, he doesn't want people to think that hell is even real. He wants people to think it's a fairy tale. Therefore, if it's a fairy tale, we can't go there. That's what all these psychic mediums shows do, like Charmed and all this other garbage, Medium and whatever, the Ghost Whisperer. Oh, we just get to kind of roam around when we die if we have unfinished business, and we can go to the light anytime we want. It doesn't matter if we were a mass murderer, if we were evil or wicked. We kind of just get to do what we want. That's a life in the pit of hell. Either absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, either you're saved or you, or you drop into a devil's hell. And that's it. There's no other... That's it. Well, he doesn't want, he wouldn't want her to know if my dad went to hell, and I don't believe he did, because that would scare her, and a lot of times, if any of us got a glimpse of hell, I guarantee that would scare pretty much anybody to repentance. You know? I don't want to see it. And then, or, if my dad had truly went to heaven, he wouldn't want her to know that, the devil wouldn't, because that means that, you know, the way to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that, that's the true way to heaven. So, Supposedly, the vision this woman got was that my dad was there with his... She said to her, my mom, while she's getting this massage, she says, there's a man I see with um, your your uh, your husband, and his name's Charlie. And she asked my mom, did he have a relative named Charlie? And my mom knew about this relative that he had had named Charlie, guy lived in like Seattle or something, that was just my dad's favorite, favorite, favorite... I never even heard of the guy. But this is how good the devil is at what he does. He's with Charlie. I can see him. And I think they said they are both in suits, and they both had cigars, like victory cigars. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they're up in heaven with cigars. You understand? It's, it's a counterfeit, it's a lie from the pit of hell, what she's been shown. This has... Now, my little girl was upset, thinking, well, does that mean Grandpa went to hell? I said, this has no bearing on where Grandpa went. This was a demonic deception and a vision given to this witch so she could tell my mom, who she was laying hands on my mom, communication between the familiar spirits. This was a demonic vision given to my mom to comfort her to think... My mom doesn't... doesn't um, she doesn't know that I witnessed to my, to my dad... That, that would make no bearing on her. She doesn't think that that's what heaven is, is, is. Now, she knows where I stand. But to tell her that right now, that's going to probably do nothing but aggravate her. There's a time and a place for everything. Okay? Like the Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for war, time for peace, a time... Okay? It wasn't the right time to go to my mom with this information. Because she doesn't think salvation is dependent upon that. She totally disagrees. So for her, it would be irrelevant. 
But my mom's thinking, well, he never got saved. He never did it Scott's way, and yet he's in heaven. So therefore, heaven's not what Scott's telling me it's about, or what the Bible says. It's about what I think it is, my, my way I perceive it. Because these devils and demons have lied to her. Now, I'm sorry I segued off into that, but I do want to say that because I'm afraid if I don't say it now, I'll, I'll, I'll forget it. I'll, I'll never say it again. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to this study. The Messianic... Okay, therefore, um, this is this is where, where we talk about the Messianic Jewish Hebrew Roots Movement are bringing the authority of the Jewish rabbis right into the Christian churches. The cry goes up from one of them that no one can understand the oracles of God unless they can read and write Hebrew. We talked about this. Um, therefore, if we cannot, if we cannot, then we need the rabbis as the authority. So, in other words, if we can't interpret the word of God in Hebrew, and who knows how to speak Hebrew, then we need the rabbis. Now we're dependent upon man again, which is exactly what the devil wants. Let's go further. Um, <clears throat> this gives the same effect as the Roman Catholic priests of old. They had the Latin scriptures so that no one could know the word of God unless they could read or write Latin. This is all a ploy from the pit of hell. Or, conversely, it depends entirely upon the priest. That, okay, so where does it talk about this in the Bible? Well, if we go to Revelation 2, verse 6, it talks about this. This is exactly the same that we're talking about here at the rabbis as it is with the Catholic Church. Hebrew or Revelation two six, where and this is a this is a uh, to the Church of Ephesus, and that um, it says in verse six, but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now this is one of the ways he's commending them. Okay, so the. Church at Ephesus hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. What was the Nicolaitans? What does the word mean? Nico means to conquer. And Laos, this is the root of that word, the Nicolaitans. Laos means the people or the laity. So the Nicolaitans, which is which is when you have which is when you conquer the laity or the church people. There is no ancient authority for the sect of the Nicolaitans. If the word is symbolic, it refers to the earliest form of the notion of a priestly order or a clergy, which later divided an equal brotherhood into priests and laity. So again, this is the early roots of Catholicism that we have here. And I hate to say it, but it really applies to most of the churches today because most of the shepherds, most of the pastors in today's day and age they're not giving them the truth. They're not getting the true gospel of salvation. They're getting a lot of lies. And a lot of times I've said this before, it's not what they don't, it's not what they're saying, it's what they never say. It's what they don't say. It's how they're not warning. It's how they're not preparing their flocks or congregations for what's coming. They're just telling them everything's going to get better and better and better. It's going to usher in the kingdom. You know. So this is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans where they conquer the laity. And, and Satan has used... The Catholic priests, these rabbis, and a lot of people in Christian churches, and then you have all your cult leaders and all the other stuff. It's the same concept of the Nicolaitans. They're conquering the lady because they're putting all their faith in the man or in some priestly order. Oh, it's so religious. So religious looking and sounding. Oh, look at all the accoutrements. Look at the stained glass. Who cares? 
That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's what the Word of God says. And I'm telling you, this Dr. Nicolaitans is going to be a big reason that millions and millions and millions of people are burning in hell because of this concept that's talked about here. And again, of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. So, we go further. Um, when the Bible was translated in English, these Catholic priests were furious, for it took away their authority and their power. The people had the word of God in their own hands at last. The Judeo-Christian rabbis today want power themselves, and they have all the authority because they are... They will have all the authority because they will be experts in Hebrew. Guess what? You know, unless you want to be a Hebrew scholar and go to school to be a rabbi... So you go, you come in and, and, and you get, let's say you get saved, you come under the simplicity of Christ and you hear the good news of the gospel and this. And then all of a sudden you get bound up in all this garbage. And you're brought into bondage. And you're rendered worthless for Christ. You can't do anything but, but you're preaching another gospel. You're leading people away from Christ. You're a tool of Satan at that point, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what else to call you. You're either for him or you're against him. And this is another gospel. And the Bible says, let them that bring another gospel, let him be accursed. goes on to say here, but beloved Christian, God has given to his Christian church his word in the English translation, the King James Bible. You can go straight to God's word and read it for yourself. Do not be deceived. Don't give away your liberty bought in the blood of the martyrs. Yeah, a lot of people died for the word of God. A lot of people died. The Hebrew Roots rabbis even go so far as to say that the original New Testament was not given by God in Greek, but it was given by God in Hebrew. This is not correct. Um, study up and you will find out without any trouble at all that the New Testament was written in Greek and not in Hebrew. The Hebrew texts that are being passed as the original New Testament are not authentic, but cultic and false. Suggested reading on this would be the King James Version, 1611. It's called the book The Final Authority by um, William Grady. I've actually seen him speak. He's a really good speaker. He's got a whole book called The Final Authority. Uh, now, the greatest danger of the Hebrew roots groups is that these are doorways into Judaism. As a religion, one step leads to another and on and on. The Christian is turned from the right path into the Jesus from the right path in Jesus Christ into the other destructive paths that lead into deeper darkness and bondage. Read on and grasp a little of what the unwary are being brought into through the Judeo-Christian disasters. Now, I'm going to go ahead and stop there, and we're going to start looking at some of these specific things uh, next week. And uh, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us, once again, to be able to come together and look and examine your word. I pray to God that your name be glorified through these teachings, that many would be saved as a result of your truth going forth wherever it is being preached or put forth worldwide, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, and that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us, and that you would use, bless my listeners, use them mightily, bless Nonetta and Taylor, and, and I just pray, God, you use them mightily, Lord God, for thy glory. You'd save our unsaved family members, Lord. That your fear would be upon us and upon all those around us that are unsaved. And that that fear would drive them toward repentance. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.